Let me share with you a quote this morning. I want to share a message a little different today. I try to bring something new and fresh every Easter. But we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And let me share a quote with you from N.T. Wright, one of the great theologians of our day. He says this, The resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom. We've been talking about God's kingdom. It's the decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched on earth as it is in heaven. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Christ Jesus and that you're now invited to belong to it. Let me say it this way. Easter is for everyone. But it's not about bunnies or brightly colored eggs it's about Jesus and his triumphant victory over death, hell, and the grave. Amen? It's about Jesus crucified and Jesus raised again from the dead. Here's my, my, favorite, my favorite little Easter joke. I got to tell it this morning if that's okay. There's this wonderful man. He loved his wife so dearly and... And, you know, like so many situations, for whatever reason, his mother-in-law just wasn't his biggest supporter. In fact, she was an incredible critic of his, and she wondered why her daughter had ever married him. And, but the mother-in-law wanted to go to the Holy Land, and this man, being a good man, decided to take his wife and his mother-in-law to the Holy Land. And while they're there having this amazing tour through all of the incredible sights of the Holy Land, the, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which is supposedly where Jesus died on the cross, the tomb, all these places, the mother-in-law suddenly passes away. And it was tragic, and it was difficult, and this couple, the husband and the wife, weren't sure what to do, and they met with some officials there in the land, and, and, and they found out it was going to cost $10,000 to ship her body back to the United States. But the professional, the, 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 the person there in Israel said, but we can do her ceremony and her burial here in the Holy Land for just $150. The man thought for just a second, didn't take him long at all, and said, no, we're shipping her back home. And the professional guy looked at him and said, well, why? Why would you do that when it's going to cost you so much more? And he says, well, here's the way I'm kind of thinking about this. Long ago, there was a man who was buried here in this holy land, and just three days later, he rose from the dead. And to be honest, I just i am not sure I can take that chance. So we're shipping her home. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It changed a bunch of disillusioned and despondent disciples into a bunch of on-fire preachers who changed the world and who literally laid their lives down for this Messiah. And it can change your life this morning as well. It can bring hope where there's been despair or defeat or discouragement. Let me just say to you today, God is the God who sees. And he sees you. He sees your situation. He sees what you're going through. And he sees you in order to act on your behalf. You just need to trust him. You just need to call out to him. He wants to act. He wants to heal. He wants to help. And God has made for you and I many, many precious promises 
And his promises, let me tell you, he watches over to perform. There's a man who did a book, his name was Herbert Locklear, and he, he wrote a book called All the Promises of the Bible. And he studied and researched from cover to cover, and he found there were over 7,000 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. And yet God's promises endure forever. God watches over his promises to keep them. You can absolutely trust them today. Our God is an unchanging God. Our God is all about doing good things in your life. He's a loving, caring, heavenly Father who cares about you. One of the greatest weapons you have, one of the greatest recovery tools at your disposal is the promises of God, standing on, trusting in, and believing in the promises of God. And because he sees you and I, even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our sinfulness and our, our various needs, he's made promises to meet our deepest and our greatest needs. What a loving, heavenly father he is. If you don't mind today on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, I'd just like to brag on Jesus a little bit. And all he did for us on this day by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I'd like to brag on him. I'd like to, to show you and highlight some of the promises he's made to you and to me. And I think it's a great day to do so. Amen. And I hope you'll listen this morning with an open heart. I've been praying for you. And I'm, I'm praying that you'll receive the love of the Father God today. And let me just say, it's probably going to take a little bit of humility on your part. And it may take a little bit of courage too. But if you'll listen and you'll receive today, God has something so wonderful for you. Well, let's start. I've got a pretty good list. Let's start diving in. First of all is the promise of no rejection and acceptance. John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Do you know that every single one of us from our earliest days, our earliest memorable moments, we're looking to see if someone sees us. And, and there's something so shaping and formative that happens psychologically when, when our eyes meet with those, those tender eyes of our mother or our father and we see that they're looking back at us and that their heart is full of acceptance and love toward us. It literally shapes us as a person for the rest of our lives. I want you to realize this morning that God's looking at you, that God's eyes have been upon you since your earliest days. This, this whole scripture and the whole idea of acceptance, is it, it paints the picture. It's the idea of a broken, begging criminal coming to, to the house of a wealthy, powerful nobleman for help. And how will he respond? This is, this is a lot like the, the prodigal son coming back to the loving father. The father runs to meet him. The father's longing to accept him, to welcome him back into the family. If you're here this morning and you've wandered away from God in, in whatever way, or maybe you've never received his love fully, let me just tell you, in the heart of the father today, in the heart of Jesus today, is nothing but acceptance for you. He wants to receive you as one of his own. He wants to make you one of his children. 
He's not looking to reject you. He's, he has provided for you life-saving acceptance. He wants to embrace you. He wants to bandage your wounds. He wants to seat you at his banqueting table. This is what Jesus has done for you. There's no darkness. There's the light of life that he promises. John 8, 12 says, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Do you realize what that means, this promise? It means there's no more need for you or I to wander around in spiritual darkness, in spiritual ignorance, in confusion, in lies, believing lies like so many who are lost and and wandering out there. It means you and I can have clarity and conviction and confidence. We can know whose we are. We can know who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going. And those are reassuring things. You don't have to live wandering aimlessly in your days on this earth. You can live with purpose and you can live with the light of life and no longer walk in darkness. Number three, and this is a good one, because we live in one of the most stressful days, I think, that maybe has ever been upon this earth. It just seems like anxiety is out the roof. It just seems like so many people are struggling and they're fearful and they're, they're not sure what's happening in this world. And yet Jesus gives this invitation to every single one of us. Nate, thank you for that word today. It's for all of us. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you notice that? Rest, not stress. Rest, not stress. How many of you could use a little more rest and a little less stress? Amen? This is what Jesus has for you. And the rest that he's talking about is being at ease in your heart, being at ease in your mind about your salvation, being able to almost, if you could illustrate it physically, just taking a a holy exhale, just kind of breathing that sigh of relief, that where you just suddenly feel at, at rest, at ease, content, at peace, That's what the Lord has for you in his heart. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to have a time of recovery, a a sigh of utter relief, a time of of recovery from days of striving and stress about your unknown spiritual condition. One of the things about Christianity that for me is so incredibly appealing is that Jesus makes it really clear that he's come to give us life, that he's come to save us, that we can be certain of our spiritual condition and our spiritual destiny, that we can have rest knowing we're at home and we're accepted by him just as we are. Number four is peace, not panic. Peace, not panic. Similar to the one we just shared because there's a lot of panic in the world today. What's going to happen? Are we going to end up in a world war? What's going to happen to these next generations? 
Where's our country going? Where's our world going? And it's so reassuring to have a king firmly seated on a throne in heaven who's sovereign over all and who has a plan. Amen? And we can trust that. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I I give to you. Not, Not as the world gives do I give to you. In other places in the Bible, it says he gives us a peace that that passes our understanding. Do you know what that means? It's greater than your reasoning. You you can't really figure it out. You can just receive it. And when you do, there's a contentment that comes. There's a rest and a peace on the inside that sustains you. Things on the outside can be crazy. But things on the inside are secure and stable and at peace. He's the God of the universe and he's for you and he loves you and he loves caring for you and he wants to strengthen you even in the midst of the most difficult times and he gives a peace that is not dependent upon favorable circumstances. That's worldly peace. You know, when you you get that little reprieve from the storm, so to speak, and suddenly you feel at peace and then another storm comes and you're back agitated again. That's worldly peace. We're talking about a peace that even sustains you in the midst of the storm. I got to tell you a quick Africa story. Most of you know I just got back from Africa just a little over a week ago. As we were driving along, particularly one day, we made about a four uh, hour and 15 minute trip from an area in the Congo called Lumumbashi. I thought that was a pretty cool name, by the way. Down to an area called Sakanya. And it's this little tip of the Congo, kind of to the southeast. And it, it goes down into the nation of Zambia. In fact, we talked a border guard into letting us cross over into Zambia. It was pretty cool. And uh, on the way, we had, a, we had a, a bodyguard. It was really interesting. It was a military police guy. His name was Shaka and um, we'd come to these stops, right, these, these uh, traffic stops, these checkpoints, and there were a number of them on this trip, and, and they were kind of a little bit shady, and you, you, you kind of prayed at these places because you weren't sure what was going to happen. They had AK-47s, and they'd surround your vehicle, and, you know, if you were the white guy in the car, you felt a little bit, you know, out, sticking out a little bit like a sore thumb, and you weren't sure what was going to happen. And uh, Shaka would get out, and he would start talking to these guys, and he had a paper that showed that he was a military police. He was there to escort us. And anyway, um, at one of these crossings, we didn't have the paperwork we were supposed to have. And the crossing guard got really agitated. He was shouting and screaming. And I'm in the car with the missionary, the main missionary, and my pastor friend from Virginia. And it was the funniest thing, right? My, my missionary friend, he spent lots of time in Africa. And he's been through many situations and circumstances like this. And, and right, at the, right at the front of our car, here's Shaka and here's this border guard. And they are shouting and screaming at one another. And I turn around to look at my missionary friend who's sitting in the back seat with me. And guess what he's doing? He's sleeping. (laughs) 
he has literally fell asleep. He's, he's over there. Yeah, he, he's in the midst of this stressful situation where we're scared we're getting ready to be robbed. My missionary friend's just taken a nice little restful siesta. And it was funny because in front of him is seated my, my friend, my, my, my Virginia pastor friend. And when this whole thing finally cleared up and, you know, all the shouting was in French, we couldn't understand it. And uh, Will turned around. He didn't realize Dan had been sleeping through the whole thing. And he says, Dan, Dan, fill us in. What happened there? What was that all about? And I looked at Will and I said, Dan doesn't know. He's been sleeping the whole time, Will. He's... He just, you know, been catching up on a cat nap right there. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. God wants to give you peace in the midst of situations where normally you'd panic. A peace that passes your understanding. I couldn't understand. I, I couldn't understand. Dan, how can you be asleep in the middle of this? I told him, I said, next time I preach on Jesus, you know, sleeping in the middle of the storm, I'm using you as an illustration. I went ahead and just added it in today. <laughs> Because it was so funny to me. Peace that's rooted in the promises of God is available for you today. Number five is freedom and not captivity. John 8, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, that's a promise to you and I. We don't have to walk around carrying the heavy weight of sin, of condemnation, of shame, of guilt. We can be free in Jesus. We can live a life that is marked by freedom from addiction, freedom from sin. We can, we can be who God has called us to be. Sin no longer having dominion over us. God has a freedom for you and it's glorious. Hell itself has no power over you, my friend. That's what Jesus came to do, to set us free. How about satisfaction? No longer having to search, longingly looking for some kind of satisfaction in this life. I think of the songs out there that are, that are so uh, you know, memorable, looking for love in all the wrong places if you're a country fan. Or if you're a rock and roller, you know, Mick Jagger singing, I just can't find no satisfaction. Jesus says there's satisfaction to be had. In this encounter with the woman at the well, he says to her, whoever drinks of this water from this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus says there's a satisfaction to be found where you're no longer having to search. Jesus says there's an abundant life available to you and I. John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If that verse ended at the first part, it would be pretty, pretty uh, much a downer, wouldn't it? Yes, there's an enemy out there. Yes, there is a devil that's alive and well in this earth. If you don't believe it, watch the news tonight. And he's seeking to destroy, he's seeking to kill and to steal. But Jesus says, I've come to undo his works 
And I've come to give you a life that is super abundant. That's what it means literally in the Greek. He doesn't want us to be victimized by the enemy. He wants us to choose the abundant life that he has for us. No abandonment. Eternal acceptance. We started our list talking about how that, uh, that, that Jesus sees us and he accepts us. We started with no rejection, which opens the opportunity to these promises, these wonderful promises of God. Now no abandonment points me to the promises continually. Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You don't ever have to worry about being abandoned. In this life or in the life to come, I, I've got you. And I can take care of you. And I will never, never, never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. You know what that means? I'll never turn my heart away from you. I'll never turn my heart away from you. Even in the toughest times, even when you are struggling the most. Let me just share this thought with you today. You know, he never gets tired of you. Sometimes I get tired of my sin. Sometimes I wonder in my heart, is God going to forgive me again? I've messed up again. He never looks at it that way. He never thinks about it that way. He doesn't tire of you. He doesn't look down at you and go, come on, can't you get it right? No, he sees you through eyes of love and acceptance. And he's paid the price by his death on the cross for all your sin, once and for all. You realize that? It's been paid for. Here's what he said on the cross. It's finished. The Greek word to tell us die. It's finished. It's like a bill that's been canceled. <laughs> paid. I've paid the price for you. And now, guess what? He's preparing a place for you. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and I prepare a place for you. A place where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. A place that is abundant in joy, peace, beauty, harmony, purity, creativity, ability beyond compare. You're going to have a resurrection body. How many can say amen to that? No more keto dieting. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, you can eat all the carbs you want. Amen. It's going to be heaven. Some of you are going to get there and you're going, to, you're going to say, this is so wonderful. Why in the world did I eat all those, uh, you know, all that fiber and stuff to extend my life? I could have been here, man, enjoying, enjoying the Lord's presence forevermore. He's coming back. I like to put it this way. He's the soon coming king. And I live, I try to live my life with a, a daily expectancy of his return. It, 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 it causes me to live differently. John 14, 3 says, he goes on in that passage, if I go prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. He's coming back. You can count on it. Look around all the signs, all the prophecies, all the world events, the societal ills that we're dealing with. I say they all point the way to the Lord's soon return. Are you ready? Are you ready? And then lastly, the ultimate promise. Here it is. 
this encounter that Jesus has in John 11 with Mary and Martha. Some would say that Bethany, the little village of Bethany, there on the, the Mount of Olives was one of Jesus' favorite places on earth. He visited often. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were good friends of his. He loved to go to their house. And if you remember Mary of Bethany, she's, she washed his feet with her hair and put the, the, the beautiful perfume on his feet. And if you remember Martha and her servant's heart, and, and then remember that Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And this, this is actually prior to that. Lazarus has died and Mary and Martha meet him and Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Can we just, can we just say that one together? Can, can you, it's right here. I am the resurrection and the life. Can we say it together? Ready? I am the resurrection and the life. Man, what a precious promise. It's the ultimate promise. And listen to what believing that does. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Last time I checked, you know, the only things that are certain, right, are taxes and death. And this weekend, right, this is the big weekend to get those taxes in. And the last time I checked, uh, you know, mortality rate's 100%. We're all going to come to that place, but if we're believers, guess what? It's really not death. It's just passing on to that eternal state of being, that place where we are absolutely with the Lord forever. And by the way, so many of us, we have thought so wrong about heaven. There's going to be a new earth. It's going to be so very similar to what you've already experienced. You're not going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp, please. You're not going to be a fat little cherub baby, you know, as cute as you might think that is. That's not God's eternal destiny for you. He's got a much deeper, richer plan for you, and it's going to be awesome. Hmm. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? The ultimate promise is that for the follower of Jesus, they'll never die, though our physical bodies cease operating. It doesn't mean we're dead. It actually means we're alive forevermore. I love, love, love how D.L. Moody put it. He was a, he was a preacher in Chicago long ago, and, and he put it so well. So well, here's what he said. He said, someday you're going to read in the papers that D.L. Moody's dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body just like Jesus' glorious body. So what do we do? Here's what... Paul told the people at Mars Hill in Athens, all the scholars and philosophers would gather, and here's what Paul said to them. He said these words, truly these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He's given assurance to this day to all by raising him from 
the dead. What do we do to receive these precious promises? We repent because judgment is promised. Mark 1.15 says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. John chapter 1, I love this passage. We'll end right here. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. If you'll believe the good news, forgiveness is available. All these promises can be yours. Amen? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for a moment this morning? Lord, we are so thankful that today we can walk out of this place with an assurance that we are saved, that you're with us, that you will be with us all the days of this life, and that one day we'll be with you in heaven together. If you're here today and you have walked away from the Lord, maybe never received his love fully, maybe there's just doubt in your heart or mind as to who he is, your eternal destiny truly is, I, I want you to pray this with me. Right where you're seated, just mean it from your heart. God will hear you, and you can walk out of here today with an assurance from him. Just say, dear God, I need you. I have failed, I have sinned, and I need forgiveness. Cleanse me and wash away my sins. Receive me as your son or your daughter. And thank you for loving me, for saving me, and for being with me from this day forward. I give my life to you. Teach me how to live for you every day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you're here this morning, you prayed that prayer. Let me tell you, the Lord heard you. And here's what I want you to do today. Tell somebody, please. Tell somebody before you leave this building. Why don't you? Tell somebody you prayed. Tell somebody you made a commitment. We want to rejoice with you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. Would you stand with me today? Thank you for coming on this incredible Easter Sunday morning. Hey, don't forget, if you have kids, please go quickly, get them from their classes, meet us out on the lawn in just about 10, 15 minutes because we're going to have a giant Easter egg hunt. It's going to be good. If you're planning on getting an, an Easter Sunday nap, I'm sorry because we're getting ready to sugar your kids up good. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, Lord, go with us. Let your face shine upon us and your light shine through us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Give the Lord praise. Amen.